And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. You can have a seat. Well, Merry Christmas. Christmas. So good to be here. My name is Paul Benneman. I'm the youth pastor here at church, and uh, every once in a while they ask me to preach, and today happens to be one of those days, so I'm excited to bring God's word And we're going to look at the story that we just heard, and I'm sure you've heard it a lot if you've grown up in the church, but something, uh, as I was reading the story and preparing for this message and then teaching the Christmas story at youth group um, over the last number of weeks, something stood out to me this year that's a little bit different, and I knew the Christmas story was always crazy, really. When you think about it, it's really a crazy story. But I was thinking about it like how I would have chosen to do things so much differently than God chose to do them, (laughs) right? I mean, first of all, like Mary, we just heard last week, Pastor Dave talked about Joseph and the week before talked about Mary. Mary was a teenager, right? She was between 13 and 19 years old. Who trusts a teenager to birth and raise the savior of the world, right? You barely trust a 16-year-old to like drive down to downtown San Diego and back, right? You could choose anyone in the world, and yet God chose teenagers to raise Jesus. How about the location? Why a stable? Why a stable? And I mean, if it was me, I would choose something with heat, something with air conditioning. I mean, you're birthing a child, I would kind of want running water. I'm just, just saying, right? Why choose a stable? Well, God chose a stable. How about the time frame? I would have chosen a different century where there wasn't some absolute lunatic on the throne that wanted to kill all the babies, right? Now, I'm not going to say what we have today, but there are people in charge that essentially are doing the same thing today, and that's sad. I wouldn't have even chosen a baby at all. Right? If you have all the angels at your disposal, every time somebody in the Bible sees an angel, what do they do? They fall in great fear. We just read that, right? They like fall down as a dead man or they're freaked out because this amazing angelic being is crazy. You've never seen anything like that. If you have those at your disposal, why wouldn't you like show up like that? Why show up as a helpless little baby? I wouldn't have done that. And then how about the shepherds? Out of all the people in the whole world that you could tell the news to first, the first people to hear this good news, why shepherds? Anyone else, why shepherds? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Christmas from the shepherd's viewpoint. It's hard to see things from somebody else's viewpoint sometimes, right? The way that we think and the way that we see things and view things, we usually think 
this is right. I'm, I'm right. You should see it from my point of view, right? That's how I think. I just ask my wife. But it's like, it's, it's hard to get somebody else's perspective on things. But I kind of want to do that today. What would it mean for you to be a shepherd in the first century, in this area, in this culture? Obviously, we can't know everything, but there are some important details that I think we can learn, maybe some misconceptions that we've had um, over the years growing up. And then I want to give us kind of some takeaways and applications for our lives today. So first, I'm going to read the passage. We just started reading it. I'm going to kind of pick it apart here. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So what region are we talking about? Where where are Mary and Joseph? Bethlehem, right? So in that region, (laughs) they're around Bethlehem somewhere, right? And they were outside watching their sheep, like shepherds do, but were the sheep their sheep? Did they own the sheep? Were they just in charge of them? What were the sheep for? What were the names of the sheep? Just kidding. I don't care about the names of the sheep, right? But I always assumed a sheep were for eating and sheep were for shearing and using their wool and stuff, right? But back then, most of the sheep were used for sacrificing at the temple. That's what most of the sheep were used for. So these guys, they did not have some glamorous job, but it was something that everyone in that Jewish culture needed these guys to do their job. Otherwise, Jewish people wouldn't be able to atone for their sins. They needed these guys to do their job. But there's something else that's important to know about the shepherds. Like caring for any livestock that's a dirty job. <laughs> it's a messy job, right? You're helping with birth of, of baby animals. You're caring for injuries. You're dealing with animals when they die. And back then, according to the Mosaic law, and then all the additional laws that people added to, to God's law, if you touched blood or if you touched a dead animal, do you know what you were considered? Unclean, right? These guys were considered unclean for a period of time, okay? So they could not enter certain holy places. They would not have had all the privileges that other clean people would have had. The shepherds were probably not like super evil people. They were probably not murderers and like thieves and stuff like that. They were probably just normal, everyday people who had a job that prevented them from entering certain holy places in the temple, from, that prevented them from participating in rituals that would make them be considered clean and holy and forgiven and accepted. These guys were spiritual outcasts. That's who they were. Yet, these are the very people that God says, you know what, I'm gonna tell them the good news first. Out of everyone in the whole world, these are the guys that he chooses. He, God chooses to let them peek behind the curtain of heaven just for a second. The very ones that were never allowed to get too close to God, God comes to them. <laughs> he singles them out. God says, you know what? You think you're too dirty? You think you're not special enough? You think that it's what you can do to clean yourself up and make yourself presentable to me? But I'm here to tell you the good news of great joy. 
That's what the angel says, right? Do you know what that word for good news is? The gospel. I'm here to bring the gospel to, that's what gospel means, good news, right? The angel comes and says, I'm bringing the gospel to you and it's gonna give you great joy. That's so good, right? God was sending angels to tell the shepherds the gospel. So what is the gospel? If I asked you to sit down and tell somebody that's never been to church, that never read the Bible or anything, I said, you take one minute or 10 minutes, whatever you want, and share the gospel with somebody, what would you say? I'm gonna give you two minutes right now, just kidding. But I do this in youth group quite a bit, especially when we're training to go on a mission trip and stuff. Like we need to be prepared to share the gospel. What is the gospel? And you know what the most common answer that I get from students? When I say, what is the gospel? most common answer I get is the Bible. I say the Bible is the gospel. Is the Bible the gospel? The Bible contains the gospel in it. The Bible itself is not the gospel, right? The gospel means good news. So what is the good news? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what's the angel saying? What is he talking about? Well, he talked about a Savior. He talked about joy. He talked about good news. He said it's for all people, and he said it's the Christ, in other words, the Messiah, the the chosen, the promised one, and he said he's the Lord, in other words, he's God, he's king. So the angel is telling them the good news, God is here, and he's here for everyone, the clean, the dirty, right? At least those that think they're clean, for the Jews and the Gentiles, and he's going to save his people, not from Caesar, They thought that's what he was saving them from, but from something much, much worse, something that has eternal consequences. And actually, uh, in Matthew, the angel that appeared to Joseph specified that. So in Matthew 1, 20, says this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the real enemy that God sent Jesus to save his people from, not Caesar. That is what has broken our relationship with God. But God had a plan, and he had been waiting thousands of years to reveal this plan. He'd given little clues all along the way, like prophets all along the way, showed little glimpses of it. It's kind of like, if you ever done a scavenger hunt, either you or you led kids on a scavenger hunt or whatever, and you like lead, lead these clues along the way, and gives you just a little taste, and then eventually you get the last clue. And the last clue leads you to this treasure chest or this amazing treasure. That's what God was doing here. And now the final clue, And out of all the people in the whole world, who gets the clue and who gets to peek into that treasure chest? Shepherds. (laughs) Shepherds. But before the chest gets open, they just get this little sneak peek. God just pulls back the curtains of heaven just for a second. 
And what do they see? What does God do? This invisible curtain that separates this physical realm that we live in, the shepherds got to see this whole spiritual realm all around. They had no idea it was even there. And we do the same thing, right? We only know what we see and taste and touch and smell and hear, and right? But there's this whole spiritual realm. And just for a second, God opens this curtain and the shepherds get to peer in like, what? <laughs> there's not just one angel, there's a whole host of angels. And it says, verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They saw and heard and felt what God had been holding back. This anthem of perfect voices. Sin has never tainted the angels' voices. They're perfect. They're beautiful. They're angelic. They're on key, right? And these angels get to hear it, and it's amazing. They are doing exactly what God created them to do, to give God glory. And God was saying to these average, unclean guys, join the party. <laughs> You're invited. So what did they do? Possibly the most understated verse in the entire Bible. Verse 15 says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, period. Not even exclamation point, right? And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Like, I have to believe when the shepherds see this one angel talk to them and then heaven part and all these angels and they're singing glory to God. What do they do? Yeah! Right? They're like, this is amazing. Sorry, I'm going to break the speakers here. But like, that's what it has to be. God is here. He's been waiting thousands of years for this moment. And he's telling us this good news. In Bethlehem, we of all people get to go see him and worship him. Was the gospel good news to those guys? It was the best news. It was the best news, right? Did it bring great joy? More than anything they've ever experienced, right? This is what God has done for me over the past week or two of preparing for this sermon. <laughs> Because literally less, less than two weeks ago, not this past Monday, the previous Monday, Pastor Dave is in my office sitting across my desk from me. And he's just checking in with me, asking, Paul, how are you doing? He does that every once in a while. Paul, how are you doing? And I said, all right, well, it's just kind of average right now. Ministry's fine. It's not, it's not amazing. It's, it's just average. Youth group is, is fine. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It's just... It's good, right? How are you doing spiritually? I'm all right. Just, just average. This wasn't my first time feeling this way over the years in ministry. I've been doing this long enough to know that there's seasons in ministry just like there's seasons in life. But then at some point, God gets your attention. And sometimes it's through tragedy Something really hard happens and God gets your attention. Sometimes it's triumph. Something amazing happens and you're like, yeah, God. But a lot of times it's just kind of through this tiring, monotonous 
part of life. It's just kind of, life's just average. And then in some way, God just kind of opens your eyes, right? Kind of peels back the curtain just for a second. And you get to see like what's really important. And that's what he did for me this past couple weeks in preparing for this sermon. Life's just average, I'm just an average guy, it's, it's fine. And then like, I've, I've taught on Christmas for, I don't know, 25 years, right? And then something happens this year. You're like, whoa, I've never thought about it from the shepherd's point of view. Just average. Like, whoa, God choose, chose to tell them this amazing news. It changed everything for him. He used the prep for this sermon to jumpstart my soul again. Like, I know the good news. I teach the good news to students all the time, right? I get to share the good news. You do too. If you know the good news, you get to share it as well. If God is peeling back the curtain of your heart this morning, maybe he's just whispering to you this morning, hey, I still love you. <laughs> Haven't forgotten about you. It may feel like life's just average and you're just kind of coasting through and you might feel like you're alone. It's not true, right? Remember, I'm right here on the other side of the curtain. <laughs> Maybe he's shouting to your soul, glory to God. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. God is pleased with you. You know that? Not because of what we do, because I'm so darn good. I... Not because of your actions, but because he came down and spoke good news to your soul. News that makes you want to share it with others. And that's what the shepherds did, right? Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They're like, these guys? Does that happen? What? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. These average guys probably went back to their average job of watching average sheep every average day of their life. They probably did. Did they see themselves as average after this encounter? Might just be speculation on my part, but I gotta think that they saw themselves differently because out of everyone in the world, who did God choose to tell this amazing news to? Them, them, right? They were the most unaverage people in the entire universe. They were among a very, very small, select few people that got to see God face to face and live to tell about it. Do you see yourself just as average? One thing I've learned is how you view yourself is very tightly connected to how you view God. <laughs> it just is, right? If you view God as like this grumpy old man up in the sky or this angry police officer that's just there to bust you and like keep you from doing things that you think are fun, if you view God like that, then you will probably spend your days doing whatever you can to get away with. 
and rebelling against God and telling him what's right and wrong because nobody's going to tell you how to live, right? That's a sad way to live. There's no joy in that. There's no joy in that. You're always living to prove yourself to others that you're good enough, that you're worth it, that you're better. On the other hand, if you believe that there is no God, then ultimately you believe you have no worth. You're just a cosmic accident of cells that just happen to come together and just happen to produce you. You're no different than leaves out on a tree, right? If there is no God and you just evolved into you, then there is no ultimate meaning or worth or value. You have no more value than anything else that we see out in the world. That is a hopeless way to die. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Essentially, right? If there is no creator, then you have no worth and value. It's just get the most out of you can out of it because this is all there is. I believe deep in your soul, if you believe there's no God, I believe deep in your soul, you know that you have more value and worth than that. That there is more to life. What would these shepherds say to you if they were here right now? God loves you more than you ever could imagine. I thought I was just an average guy, not good enough to be with him, too dirty to be accepted. But let me tell you the good news of great joy that's for everyone, that God came into the world to save people like me. Just average Paul Benjamin that grew up in Valley Center on Lilac Road, like it's just me. That God would love me that much? What? I didn't even go to college, it's just me, right? so that you can have peace with God and peace with others. When Jesus is your savior, you don't have to compete with others and see them as threats. You can see them as valuable little reflections of God's glory, because that's who you are. If we're all made in the image of God, you reflect God's glory. And now I don't have to compete with you or see you as a threat. I can value you. I can appreciate you, right? You're not my enemy. I can see you as a reflection of God's glory. That's part of the good news that Jesus came to deliver, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, right? So what are you going to do with that good news? You've heard it now. When you stand before God and he says, you heard the gospel, what are you gonna do with it? Now you have no excuse. You can't say, well, God, I never heard the good news. I just told you the good news. Now you have no excuse. And that's a sobering thing. What are you gonna do with it? My encouragement is to let Jesus Christ change you from the inside out. Don't fake it. Don't put on a mask and act like a Christian. No, God, change me from the inside out like these shepherds. I want to be a new creation. I want this joy, this great joy. That's what God's able to produce in you. Do you see yourself like the shepherds did before God got their attention or after? 
Are you just too average and dirty that the God of the universe would have nothing to do with you? How do you view yourself? Not what other people say about you. When you lay in bed at night and view yourself, how do you see yourself? It's average. I've messed up too many times. God really, I mean, I know I hear that Paul said that today, but he doesn't really mean it, right? How do you view yourself? Or are you like the shepherds after they experience this? That God's grace is bigger than any of your mistakes. And now you want to glorify him because he made a way to bring you the good news. So now you can share it with others. Obviously, my prayer is that you will encounter this good news of great joy that Jesus Christ came that you will see yourself as a new creation in Christ and go from here glorifying and praising God. Let's pray. God, thank you for that good news. Thank you for bringing the news, not to just some king, not to some rich person, not to like the best looking person, the most physically fit person, all these type of people that we tend to look up to, but just the average just the bagger at the grocery store. It's like, huh? That's who you chose to bring this most amazing news to. That's who you chose to peek behind the curtain of heaven just for a second. And so God, I pray that your spirit would break into our hearts this morning and awaken, jumpstart our souls again to the amazingness of this good news, this gospel that you chose to bring into the world and let the shepherds hear it. And now we have heard it this morning. God, may we be quick to first know that good news. Thank you for it. But then be quick to tell other people about it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.